You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. Psalm 91, verse 2, it says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. I I really like that. I will say of the Lord, he's making a declaration about the Lord. Uh, That word say, it, it means to bear forth, to bring to light. It means to declare It means to say in oneself or to think. That really strikes me. He's saying, I will say, I will say within myself, I I will think of the Lord. He is my refuge. He is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I wonder what you're saying within yourself. I wonder what you're thinking on day in and day out. It's so important what we think on. It's so important what we say with our mouth. It's so important what we declare. The promises of God are yea and amen to those who believe. God's word has power when we speak his word, when we say his word, when we declare his word, it has power. Do you know that? I I was sharing with a friend today uh, that, that what we say is so vital because when we speak God's word, God's words have power. Do you know that? In the beginning, the word says, God said, and there was. He spoke and the whole universe came into being. Do you understand that? The word says that out of chaos, after out of nothing, the word spoke and order was made out of chaos. That's how powerful God's word is. Do you have some chaos in your life? Start speaking God's word over it. Start declaring it over it. What are you thinking within yourself? We've got to watch. We've got to mind our mind. We've got to watch what we're thinking on. Because what, 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 out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. What you're thinking on, what you're meditating on, you will speak. And our words have life. Our words hold the power of life and death. Do you understand that? Look at Jesus' words. He spoke to a fig tree and it dried up and died. His words have power. The Bible says that the the, the word of God is a double-edged sword. I love that. It means a two-mouthed sword. Do you understand that? When when the Lord speaks, it's it's one mouth. Do you see that? He spoke it. It's in his word. It's one mouth. But but it's a double-edged sword. That means it's a two-mouthed sword. It means that that, that God spoke it, and then we speak it, and it's a double-edged sword. Do you understand that a two-edged sword, a double-edged sword, is a deadly, deadly weapon? It does so much damage. And, and that's what, what the word of God says that we can have when we speak God's word. It's a two-mouthed sword. It's a double-edged sword. And it will do damage to the enemy's kingdom. Can I tell you that? So what are you thinking on? What are you thinking in yourself? What are you meditating on? What are you saying inside about yourself? Oh, that's a good one. Women especially. What are you saying about yourself that maybe nobody will ever know but you're thinking on? We've got to mind our minds and watch what we're declaring, what we're saying. 
So that word I will say of the Lord, it means to bear forth, to bring delight, to declare, to say in oneself, to think. But my favorite is to will it, to will. I, I really like that that word is connected. He says, I will say of the Lord. Do, do you understand that when we, when we declare God's promises, well, when we think about them, when we speak them forth, it's important that, that it's not just a declaration. It's not just something we're saying. We've got to line our will up with it. We've got to understand that, that our will is involved in this. That word say in the original language in the Hebrew is amar. And, and, and the, 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 there's a, a Hebrew scholar that I really like to read. Uh, his name is Skip Moen. And, and he says about this word, amar, that it's a fairly common word, that it's used in all kinds of situations where the next phrase is a quotation. And we see that here. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. We see that God identifies himself of, like that in the Old Testament. And so what this, the author of Psalm 91 is doing, he is declaring what has already been declared about God. He is saying what God has already established he will be for us. And so Skip Moen says, this word is always used when the next phrase is a quotation. I will say this quotation. But Amar not only introduces a quotation, Skip Moen says, it also implies that the speaker's words are followed by actions. Oh, don't miss that. It means I'm not only going to declare something that God has said about himself, I'm not only going to declare a promise, I'm not only going to say it, but my actions are going to follow it. I'm going to line up my actions with God's word. Skip Moen says, what you say is what you do. If you claim you have faith, your life must demonstrate that claim in action. The Hebrew, in Hebrew, the only people who say something but do not do it are liars. That's what Skip Moen says. So here in Psalm 91, th this is not just a bunch of fine-sounding words. It's a declaration of belief. It's a statement of faith. He says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. But if I'm going to say that, I need to back it up with my actions. How will this affect my life if I really truly believe that, that he is my fortress, that he is my, my refuge, he is the God in whom I trust? I wonder if the author here felt it felt what he was saying, or if he was just saying it by faith. Sometimes, church, we just need to say it by faith. I don't need to feel it, but God's word says it, so I need to come into a, an agreement with it since his word is truth. I'll give you an example of that. If I'm feeling fear, if I'm feeling anxiety, I need to begin to speak God's word, declare God's word over it. Regardless of what I'm feeling, I need to come into alignment with God's word, with God's truth, because his word is truth. It's truth. What I'm feeling is not truth all the time. Who knows that? What I'm thinking is not always truth. That's why we need to mind our mind. We need to watch what we're thinking on because it's not always truth. Does it line up with God's word? That's why Philippians, I think it's Philippians 4, where it says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are praiseworthy. For the longest time, there's a long list of, 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 of words there in that passage. And for the longest time, I drove with that in my, on my dashboard in my car because my thoughts were just going wild. And, and I would have to stop and say, go down that checklist and say, is this true? Yes or no? If it was no, then I'd stop right there. It might be true, but is it praiseworthy? they? No. Then stop right there. Get that thing out of my mind. Take that thought captive. 
So I wonder if this author was feeling what he was really saying. Did he really believe that God was his refuge or his fortress or was he just making a declaration and trying to line himself up with it? And sometimes we need to do the same. We might be feeling fear, but but we need to line ourselves up with God's word, come under the cover of God's word and say, he has not given me a spirit of fear. He has given me a sound mind and a spirit of power. So regardless of what I'm feeling, I am going to make the declaration over my life out loud into the atmosphere, and I am going to begin to think on that thing and say it to myself inside, and then I'm going to line my will up with it, and I'm going to say, I'm going to do this thing afraid because he has not given me a spirit of fear, and so I'm going to override that fear with the truth of God's word, and I'm going to begin to bring my will into alignment with it. Maybe you struggle with anxiety. The anxiety is really real to you. It feels real. But you need to line yourself up with the truth of God's word and say, I just thank you, Lord, that you have told me not to be anxious about anything. But through prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving, present my request to you. And you in turn, you promise, Lord, it's a promise. And you will guard my heart and my mind with peace that passes all understanding. That word guard means to garrison. It means to put peace soldiers around your heart, around your mind. That's what he promises to do. If we just say, I'm not going to be anxious about this. I'm coming into alignment with your word. I'm not going to think on this thing anymore. I'm going to think on the truth of your word. I thank you that I'm going to have peace soldiers guarding my heart and my mind. Don't lose one more night's sleep over that thing. Sit there and begin to say, I will say of the Lord. And then speak his word. You will keep at perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on you. I'm going to say this about you, Lord. You will keep at perfect peace his, him whose mind is stayed on you. I'm putting my mind on you. I'm connecting my will with what I say, and I am directing my mind to the things of God, and you're going to keep me at perfect peace because my mind is stayed on you. Do you see the difference? What we say of the Lord, we've got to, to uh, activate our will as well. We can't just declare something. We have to bring our will into alignment with it. I'm not only going to declare it, I'm going to back it up with an action. The writer of Psalm 91 says, I will say of the Lord. He's going to say it of who? The Lord. And we've talked about that word Lord. It means master. It means one who's in authority over us. So uh, you do what a Lord tells you to do, do you not? A slave does what his master tells him to do. And yet we call him Lord, but we don't do what he tells us to do. We don't follow his word. And, and so what, what the author of Psalm 91 is saying here is he says, I am saying of the Lord. I'm not just making a declaration. I'm making it about the Lord, the one in whom I'm coming under his authority. A slave comes under the authority of a Lord. Remember we talked last week that that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That word shadow, we've talked about this now for several weeks. It means to come under the authority of one. The word itself means to, it means shadow, it means protection. But if you look at it in the Hebrew as a pictograph, that, that pictograph, which is how Hebrew words are looked at, it really means to come under the authority of one. Oh, that's so good. Because we like the idea of God protecting us. We like the idea of God sheltering us. But we do not like the idea of having to fall under his authority all the time. Are you with me? 
And so well, when you call God Lord, you will fall under his authority. And that's what the author is saying here. I will say of the Lord, the one who has authority over me, that he is my refuge. He is my fortress. And do you understand that when you come under his shadow, when you come under his authority, when you make him Lord and you fall under the lordship of his word in your life, do you understand that that is indeed a fortress for you? Do you understand that that is a place of protection for you? Because I will tell you, my ways, I think sometimes that my ways are good, but but, uh, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to what? Death. I can't trust my ways. I've gotten myself in a whole lot of trouble. I always say to Leslie, I'm so glad I met her when I was an old lady, because if I had met Leslie when I was a young lady, we would be in a lot of trouble. Because there was a way that seemed right to Rhea, that seemed fun to Rhea, that seemed good to Rhea, but it led to death. I can't trust my ways. It will lead me to the pig pen every single time. I have got to come under the authority of God. I've got to come under his lordship and say, this might seem like the right way to me, but but I am going to choose to come under your lordship, see what your word has to say about it, and I am going to do that in my life regardless of how I feel. I'm going to activate my will and come under your lordship. Another example of that is somebody might do you dirty and you might have an absolute reason uh, to be angry with somebody and unforgiving. Maybe if you told me your story, I wouldn't even blame you. I might say, oh, that was an awful thing for somebody to do to you. I can't even believe they did that to you. And you might feel like you have a right to be unforgiving. But if we're following, falling under the lordship of Christ and under the authority of his word, what does his word say? Forgive because I have forgiven you. Unless you forgive your brother from your heart, I can't forgive you. That's what his word says. His word says judgment without mercy will be shown to those who judge without mercy. And so if I am going to, there's a way that seems right to a man. And the way that seems right to me is I might want to get somebody back really good for what they did to me. I might want to hold on to unforgiveness and say I'm, I am gonna, I'm going to tell them a thing or two for what they did. But God says there's a way, Rhea, that seems right to you and that is not the right way. This is my way. You forgive because I've forgiven you. Oh, Lord, that's a hard one. But it's a place of protection. It's a fortress of protection for you to come under his word. It's a fortress of protection. It's a refuge for me to hide in his word because it keeps me safe, keeps me safe. I understand his authority as protection for me and doing his will is a place of safety and security for me, but I need to back that statement up with action. I need to run to that fortress. I need to run to the truth of his word and do what it says. He says, I will say of the Lord, notice that's personal. There's some personal responsibility here. You and I have to say it. We have to declare it. We have to begin to speak it over our life. We have to speak his word over our lives. I can't do it for you. I can stand up here and preach to you till I'm blue in the face, but but you have to come to a point in your life where you begin to declare the truth of God's word over your life, not what you can see but the truth of God's word. You see, what we can see sometimes in the natural isn't always what his supernatural word says. Are you with me? 
I, I, just, I just love uh, the, the story of uh, Lazarus. You've heard me say this numerous times. And Mary and Martha, that was, they were Lazarus' sisters. And, and they traveled with Jesus. They were tight with Jesus. They supported his ministry. They had seen him heal blind eyes. They had seen him touch leper skin and it come, become white as snow. They had seen the power of God in his life. They'd witnessed it firsthand. But then their brother got sick. And you know the story. The word says that they sent a messenger to Jesus. That tells me they knew exactly where Jesus was. So they knew how long it was going to take Jesus to come to get to see them. And, and so they sent this messenger and they said, tell Jesus, the one you love is sick. So the messenger gets there and he says, Jesus, the one you love is sick. And, and Jesus says, tell them this sickness will not end in death. His word to them was, what? The sickness will not end in death. So the messenger uh, runs back to Mary and Martha, and the word says that Jesus delayed where he was two more days. Now, can you imagine what Mary and Martha are thinking? They know exactly where Jesus is at. They know exactly how long it's going to take him to get to them. And now when he delays two more days, they're thinking, where is he at? Why is he not in any big hurry to get to us? And see, that's some of you. You're thinking, where is the Lord at? And why is he not in any big hurry to get to me? And yet you have the word of the Lord. You see, Mary and Martha no longer, no matter how long Jesus delayed, they had the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord to them was, this sickness will not end in death. So what happens? You know the story. Lazarus dies. And what do Mary and Martha do? They bury him. Now, I just want that story to end differently. I want Mary and Martha to say, no way, Jose. We have the word of the Lord. This is not going to end in death. In the natural, it looks like it ended in death, but we are going to stay right here, right where we are. This body can get stinky. The maggots can come. It can... Eh. It can start to, to, to fade away, but I'm telling you what, we are waiting for Jesus. Don't bury this thing. This sickness will not end in death. I'm standing on it. I'm believing it. No matter what I see in the natural, I am not moving. That's how I want it to end. But it doesn't. They put him in a grave and they bury him and, and they go back to their life as in normal. And then Jesus shows up in town. And they say, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And and you just think Jesus is probably thinking, but I gave you my word. Was that not enough? And so then Jesus says, show me where you laid him. Take me to the place where you stopped believing my word was true. Take me to the place where you looked at the natural and you forgot that I was a supernatural God. Show me where you laid him. And then you know the story. Jesus goes to the grave. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And death, uh, death has not the, does not have the victory. You, you see that life comes back out of death because Jesus means what he says. And when he said the sickness will not end in death, he meant it. You see, God means his word. He means what he says. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He's not sorry that he told us the things he said in his word. He's not sorry he made the promises he made. And that means no matter what is happening in the natural, no matter, no matter what you're seeing happen in the natural, you have got to make up your mind that you are going to come under the authority of God's word. You're going to come under the truth. You're going to hide in the refuge of God's word regardless of what you're seeing in the natural. 
You've heard me say over and over, I declare it over my children's lives. My sons will be taught by the Lord and great will my children's peace be. I can't even tell you how many mornings I would get up in the morning and say, thank you, Lord, that my sons are going to be taught by the Lord and great will my children's peace be. Doesn't matter if I'm not seeing that happen in the natural. I trusted a supernatural God and that was his word to me. And I just began to declare it, declare it, declare it. Even when I wasn't seeing it, I declared it anyway. And that's what the writer is doing here. He's making a declaration. I will say of the Lord, I'm being intentional about this. I'm being purposeful about this. He is my refuge. He is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Do you trust him? I mean, do you really trust him? Do you believe that no matter what is happening in your life, that God is in control and that he is greater than whatever you're facing? Because you see, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That word faith is total trust. Do you have total trust in my God in whom I trust? Do you have total trust in God? No matter what you're seeing in the natural, do you have total trust in the supernatural God? Some men trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. Do you know what the name of the Lord is? It's his character. It's who he is. He can't be anything else. The word says, there's a scripture, and I didn't look it up tonight, but, but there's a scripture, I think it's in Isaiah, and it says uh, that, that you make lies your refuge. <laughs> Do you understand that when you choose to not take refuge in God's word and believe his word as truth, you make lies your refuge. Lies is the place that you, that, that you run to, that you, you think is safety, you think is security for you. You made lies your refuge. Some of you have made lies your refuge. You believe stuff about yourself that is not even true. Just because it was spoken over you doesn't mean it's true. And you've made lies your refuge. The place where, where you hide, the place that, that you run to. Do you run to him for safety, for security? Or do you run to a relationship? Or do you run to food? Or do you run to drugs or alcohol? Do you run to an addiction to find comfort in? Do you run to anger or another form of self-protection? Where do you find your safety and security? He is your refuge. He is your stronghold. What does that mean when he calls himself our refuge? When he says, I'll be a fortress for you. What, what do those words really mean? That word refuge means shelter. It means fortress or defense. It indicates a place of safety or protection a place of security. Oh, some of you just long to be secure. Some of you long to feel safe. He is your refuge. He's your place of safety. What does fortress mean? It means a stronghold. It's a place of defense or security. It refers to a wilderness or mountainous place for hiding, uh, for defense, and, and a gathering of supplies for battle. The dictionary defines a fortress as a fortified place that's protected against attack. Oh, I like that. A fortified place that's protected against attack. It's a heavily protected and impenetrable bil building. Oh, do you know that his fortress is impenetrable? The enemy can't touch you. When you are hidden in the fortress of his protection. That there is always a positive and a negative to everything. Do you know that for everything God has a real of, the enemy has a counterfeit. Do you know that? And God says, I am your stronghold. And it's a positive thing. 
but the enemy has a stronghold as well. Do, do you know that a stronghold is anything that has a stronghold on you? <laughs> and God wants to have the stronghold on you. God wants to be your place of refuge. God wants to be the fortress for you, the stronghold that you run to. You see, in Bible times, a stronghold was this big, massive, uh, you know, almost like a rock. It was, it was like for example, Jericho was a stronghold. It was a fortress. It was, it was well protected. It was impenetrable. The walls were massive and, and, and no enemy was going to get in that, get in that fortress was going to get into Jericho. Do you know that God is like that in our life? We can run to him. In Bible times, when the enemy was pursuing uh, an army, for example, they would run to the fortress. And in that place, in that fortress, they were untouchable by the enemy. They could fight the enemy, but the enemy couldn't get to them. And that's what God wants to be for us. He wants to be our fortress of protection. He wants to be the place that we run to. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. It's a fortress. And the righteous run into it, and they are safe. There is a place in God that the enemy can't touch you. But you see, that place is under his shadow. It's under his authority. It's under the authority of his word. And you see, when I'm doing the way that seems right to me, I get out from under his authority. I get out from the umbrella, the protection of his word. When I do things Rhea's way, I put myself out in the open where the enemy can get me. You see, that's what the enemy is always looking for. In Bible times, when the enemy was trying to attack, uh, you know, let's say the Israelites, they would wait, and the, the enemy would wait until they were out of, uh, from undercover when they were away from the fortress, and then they would attack. The enemy would always try to lure them out of the fortress because they knew, the enemy knew they couldn't touch them in the fortress. So they had to get them out of the fortress to attack. And your enemy is looking to do the same thing. My enemy is looking to do the same thing. If he can get me out from my fortress, if he can get me out from under protection, out from under the, the, the authority of God's word, doing it my way, stepping out from under protection, oh, he can attack. He's constantly trying to lure us out. You see, that's what he did to Eve. Eve was underneath the protection of God's authority. God said, do not eat. You can have any tree you want in this garden. Just don't eat of this one. What's the first thing the enemy did? He tried to lure her out. Did God really say? Did he really say? And that's what he does to you and I. He gets us to question God's word and come out from undercover. The goal of the enemy is to get a soldier before they run to their stronghold or to catch them unaware when they're outside of the protection of the fortress. Can I tell you that, that we, the Christian walk, is a war. There is a war, and we have an enemy. And he wants, to, he wants to lure us out of the stronghold of God's protection. He wants that. Hey, I told you that everything God has a reel of, uh, the, the, the enemy has a counterfeit of. And, and, and so there's a positive and there's a negative to the word stronghold. Uh, the, the, the word, I think it's Charles Stanley. I have a quote from Charles Stanley and I loved it. He said a stronghold, let me just find it here. Hmm. He defines a stronghold as a recurring compulsive thought pattern that has a stronghold on a person. 
You see, that's the enemy's kind of stronghold. He, he, you see, the enemy is a defeated foe. Do you understand that? Do you understand that we are fighting a defeated foe? We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. The victory has already been achieved. If I could sound that from the mountaintop, I would. You see, we've got to get that deep in our spirit, that, that the enemy has been defeated. On the, on the cross of Calvary, Christ overcame hell, death, and the grave. The enemy was defeated. He, 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 he led him and he triumphed over him on the cross of Calvary. The battle is over. It's already been won. The war is over. It's already been won. But, but the enemy, I just read a story about this, this World War II soldier. He was a Japanese soldier. And, and even though the, the World War II had ended, and what year was that, Davey? You'll know that. I knew you were going to know that. 1945, World War II ended. Do you know when this Japanese soldier came out of hiding? He fought by himself till 1974. He didn't know the war was over. And people tried to tell him. They sent pamphlets out. Uh, even the police eventually went after him. And he thought they were tricking him. And he continued to fight the battle uh, even though the war was over. And he was good. He fought hard. And when I read that, I thought about, about the enemy of our soul and how he doesn't understand that the war is over. And he is still fighting battles on his own, trying to defeat us, even though the war is over. Can I tell you, the war is over. We won. And we fight from victory, not for victory. But we have got to understand that there's an enemy prowling. There's an enemy who, who prowls, who hides, who, who deceives. And he is, his goal is to bring us down. And he doesn't know the war is over. And so we have to continue to battle. But he does not have any authority. Do you know the only authority that the enemy of our soul has? What we give him, what we surrender to him. And we surrender authority when we step out from under protection, when we step out from the authority of God's word, when we say, I'm going to do it my way and not God's way. You say, well, Rhea, that, that's a works mentality. No, that's not. That's just a smart mentality. A smart mentality stays under the protection of God's word. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And the enemy knows that your protection, your fortress, is staying under the authority of God's word. And he does what he did to Eve. Did God really say, hmm, he's just trying to get you not to have fun. Come out from that fortress. Come out from under the protection of God's word. He entices us to sin. He entices us to succumb to sin, to do it our way instead of God's way. And that gets us out from the fortress, out from refuge. And we need to run for cover like our life depended on it. But the only place that he has any power, any authority is what we surrender to him. And we surrender authority when we give him our authority. And we let him have it in our life. When we let him have the final word. And you know where he does that? Right here in our mind. Because the Bible says that, that the weapons turn over to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. Davey, I'm going to need my glasses. Do you still have them? 2 Corinthians 10, thank you, um, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of what? Strongholds. 
Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought captive uh, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Look at that. Uh, the weapons we fight with. You see, uh, even though we live in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh. We don't fight the way the world fights. Can I just tell you? We don't fight. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. And we understand that. We understand that our weapons are mighty in God. That they are pulling there for the pulling down of strongholds. Do you understand? If there wasn't any stronghold that the enemy tried to get on us, we wouldn't need weapons to pull them down. Look what he identifies as a stronghold. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. That tells me that the stronghold is taking place right here. The battle is in the mind. Do, do you understand that? You see, when you and I were saved, well, we, we got a new create. We became a new creation. Uh, do you understand that the man, a man is three-part being? We have a body, we have a spirit, and we have a soul. What's our soul? You've heard me teach this, your mind, your will, your emotions, your appetites. And when you and I accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior and God came in and took up residence, what became new? No, no, not your soul. My soul is still a little messed up. What became new? My spirit man became born again. I got a new spirit man living inside of me, and nobody can touch that. It is a new man, and it is good, and it is dying and going to heaven. My body is going to decay, but my soul, baby, that is where the battle is. And that's why the Bible says that we need to be transformed by what? The renewing of what? The mind, the soul, the, this thing needs renewed because it's getting messed up. That's where the enemy can mess with me. And that's why it's vital that we live in that word and we begin to renew our mind and the truth of that word. Just because we're thinking on something does not mean it's true. We need to say, I'm going to compare this thought to the word of God. That's why it's so important we have the word stored up within us. And we need to say, is what I'm thinking on true? Is what's rising up inside of me true? Is it good? Does it line up with God's word? Are my appetites, what my fleshly desires, are they lining up with God's word? Notice that the stronghold that the enemy wants to get in our life are arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I, I used to think that that meant the knowledge of God. Do I know God? Do I know about the knowledge of God? My knowledge of God. No, 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 no. The knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? Right here, he left it for us. This is the knowledge of God. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Do you understand that? This is the knowledge of God. This is God's way. And anything that, that exalts itself and says this way is better, this way will, will, will be better, that's a stronghold. Do you see that? And we need to cast down, we need to cast down every argument, every pretense, anything that sets itself up against that word. Because what is happening when it sets itself up against that word is it's trying to lure us out of the fortress, out from undercover, out from the shadow, the authority of God's word in our life. And so the enemy entices, oh, Rhea, this would be so fun if you just did this over here. Uh, you know what? It, you'll be fine. God forgives you. 
And he does. But it becomes a stronghold in my life. Oh, Rhea, everybody else is doing it. Yeah, everybody else is doing it. Maybe I can. Did God really say, come out from under cover? Come out from the fortress and let me mess with you. Because I can't get you in the fortress. I can't get you when, when you say, I have the knowledge of God's will, uh, the God, knowledge of God's word, and I am not moving from it. Let me flesh this out for you. Let's just say, um, let's go back to somebody did you dirty, because that's something we can all relate to. Oh, I got to show you this first before we do that. Just stay with me because this is so stinking good. I just love it. I love it. Poor Dave. He was in the shower this morning and I'm running up there saying, I can't believe this. You got to listen to this. But, but seriously, this is so good. And just bear with me. I promise I'll talk fast so that we can get out of here. But, but see, I started to look at this word stronghold and I wanted to know the root. You see, if you look at the root word, where, the, where that word comes from, it's, it's, it's really fascinating to me. The word stronghold, I told you what it means, but it comes from the root word meaning, oh, get this. To have and hold. It implies continued possession. To have and to hold, it implies continued possession or stronghold. Something that has continued possession of you. Something that has you and holds you. Are you with me? And so that's where it comes from. So I was like, where is that root word used? Oh, this is so good. Uh, let's just look at a few of them. Uh, turn over to Matthew 26, verse 7. I'll read it to you. And a woman came to him having an alabaster flask, a very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head and he sat at the table. Where do you think that root word is? And a woman came to him having an alabaster jar. She had it. She had it in her possession. She was holding it. Do you see it? So that was good. But now turn over to Mark chapter 3, verse 10. Same word. For he healed many so that as many had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. Oh, this is so good. Julie, you're going to love this one. As many that had afflictions touched him. Guess what the word to have possession of, to hold, to have and to hold is there? Afflictions. Oh, baby, that just made me bound and determined to go after sickness. Because what that tells me is it's a stronghold. The enemy has them. That sickness has possession. It has a hold on them. Are you with me? Oh, that's so good. Uh, turn over to Matthew 1.18. The same word is used here. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary had betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. The word, found with child. That she had possession of a child. She was having that, she was holding that child in her womb. She had it and was holding on to it in her womb. Are you with me? Now turn over to 1 John 5:12. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Oh, that's so good. It's there a couple times. He who has the Son holds on to him has life, has possession of life. He who does not have the Son, holds on to the Son, does not have possession of life. Oh, that's so good, isn't it? Oh, you're, you just are missing. That's so, so, so good. I just loved it. I, I just loved it. Now, let's look at this fleshing it out. 
do you not love God's word? I just love it because it's such a picture there of a stronghold having possession of us, having and holding on to us. Do you not want the enemy? I do not want him to have anything on me. I love the, the, the scripture that says the, the enemy is coming. Uh, can somebody find that for me? Uh, the, the, what is it? Does somebody know it by heart? And he has nothing in me. What is it? The, the God of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. That was Jesus saying that. Don't you want to be able to say that? He is coming and he has nothing in me. He has no hold on me. I'm staying in my fortress. So let's flesh it out. Uh, so we're going to talk about all that we talked about tonight. I will say of the Lord, I'm going to activate my will. I, I'm going to feel something, but I'm going to declare something else. Are you with me? I'm going to stay in the stronghold. I'm not going to get Lord out. So we're going to put all that together right now. So let's just talk. Oh, wait, I wanted to show you one more, one more scripture. Back up to that root word. This is what I was showing to Dave this morning. The last one I want you to see, 2 Peter 2.14. You got to turn there because this is so good. 2 Peter 2.14. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, Enticing unstable souls, they have a heart trained with co in covetous practices, and they are cursed children. Having possession, having and having a hold of, eyes that are full of adultery. Their eyes have possession of, <laughs> and adultery has a hold on them. That cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. That they have a heart trained with covetous practices. They have possession of a heart trained with covetous practices. Covetous practices has a hold on their life. Do you see it? It all becomes a stronghold. Okay, so that one is talking about uh, sexuality, about sexual immorality. And, and so let's start with that one for the example. So let's say you're a man. And, well, women, you struggle with this as well. But, but, but let's just say that, that the enemy comes and he wants to lure you out from undercover, out from the fortress, and he says, look at that woman. Isn't she beautiful? Take another look. Or look at that screen of pornography and numb your pain a little bit. And, and God says, his word says, if you're going to stay under the fortress, his word says what? You look at, a, at another woman like she's a sister. You treat her like she's a sister. God's word, the, the, the shelter, the, the shadow of his word, the, the authority of his word says, flee from sexual immorality. Run from it. Don't even let there be a hint of sexual immorality in your life. And so to stay under the protection, the shelter, the shadow of God's word, you're going to say, no way, no way, no way. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving this. I'm not going to look at that screen. I'm not coming out from undercover. I'm, I'm fleeing from sexual immorality. I'm going to look at that sister. I'm going to look at that woman like she's a sister. You do not lust after your sister. You don't do it. And so the enemy says, oh, come on. She's beautiful. Come out. Come out. Come out from undercover. Come out from undercover. And you're like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to will it. I'm going to start declaring it over my life. I am pure and holy. I, I am going to make a covenant with my eyes that I will not sin against you, Lord. I, I'm thankful that, that I am set apart for your glory and I will not leave undercover. I'm declaring it over my life. And the enemy's like, but she's really beautiful and you're entitled. Who's going to know? And so you look and then you look again 
And then you take that image home with you and you start doing things with that image you should not be doing. And, and then you think, oh, I just want to have a little more fun and I'll look at this image on pornography and I'll go back and take another hit in that, on that website. And, 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 and before you know it, it has a strong hold on you. And now you don't even have to worry about getting enticed out. You're living outside of it because you're so addicted to it. Do you see it? Okay. Anger. Somebody ticks you off. You get impatient. You want to lose your temper. And the word says that a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. <laughs> a, a, a word of anger stirs up wrath, but, but a, gentle anger, a gentle answer turns away wrath. I want to get angry. I want to get angry. I want to get angry. The enemy's whispering, come on, get angry. They were wrong. Tell them a thing or two. Rip them apart. You deserve it. Have the final say. Don't be a doormat. Protect yourself. Come on. Out from undercover. Come on out here. And you're like, man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. I want a righteous life. I don't want to be angry. I, I don't want to sin with my mouth. Don't let any unwholesome words come from your lips, but only what is helpful for building others up according. And let it administer grace to those who hear it. I'm going to administer grace with my mouth. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not, come on. You deserve this. They were wrong. You need to tell them a thing or two. You need to get them back. Okay. And you're out from undercover, and it felt really good. And the next thing you know, it's a strong hold. You can't stop yourself from getting angry anymore. Do I need to keep going? What do people think about me? I'm really afraid. I can't step out and do that. What are people going to think? And, and, oh, what if I don't make it through tomorrow? And, and what if nobody likes me? And, 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 oh, I better just stay here in my bed because I'm really afraid and, and I can't step out. And, and I know that there's a gift inside of me, but, oh, what if I use it and I make a fool out of myself and, and I'm really afraid? And, 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 oh, what if people reject me? And I must stay under the shelter. I must stay in the shadow because I'm accepted in the beloved and I'm dearly loved and he's not giving me a spirit of fear. He's giving me a sound mind. I got a sound mind. I got the mind of Christ. Oh, but come on. You know what? When people really know who you are, they're not going to like you. And so you are powerless and you are, oh, you're really nothing. And so you better just protect yourself and you better just stay in your bed and don't even step out and try anything because you'll fail anyway. Yeah, you're right. I, I am. And then it becomes a strong hold. You can't do anything anymore because you're so motivated by anxiety and fear versus who you are in Christ. Do you see how it works? Because your will needs to be activated here. I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. I'm not stepping out from this. I'm going to stay in God's word. I'm going to stay in the authority of God's word. I'm going to stay in the truth of God's word. And I'm not going to be enticed out of my stronghold, out of the fortress of God's protection. Because if I get out of this stronghold, he's going to get a stronghold on me. You see it? I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress, my stronghold, my God in whom I trust. Do you trust his word? Do you trust that it's yea and amen? Do you trust that he means what he says? Do you trust that there is a way that seems right to a man, 
but in the end it leads to death that I can't trust my way. I need to trust God's way. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. I'm not going to be lured out. I'm not going to be tricked out. I'm not going to be deceived out. I'm not going to be enticed out. I'm going to be intentional because this is a battle and you lost and we win. And I'm going to show you these little tiny battles I still have victory over and I'm not giving up my authority to give to you. One last thing I want you to see and then I'm done. I'm going to pray for you. But I was looking at this scripture this week. In fact, uh, is Kendall here? She, oh, good. She's out in the lobby. Kendall is driving. Dave is such a good driver's ed teacher. I am not. <laughs> I get a little anxious in the back seat. Not giving me a spirit of fear. <laughs> But we were going out the other night, and Kendall was driving, and Dave was in the front seat, and he was like, no, 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 turn there. Don't turn there. You're in the wrong lane. And they're just like back and forth, and I'm like, oh, I, I don't like this. I went out of this car, and so I was like, I got to do something to get my mind off of this. And so I have my phone in the back seat, and I'm just going through every scripture I can possibly go through. <laughs> And I was in the Amplified, and I, I know this scripture by heart. I know it as Luke 10, 19. Behold, you know, I've given you power and authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, and nothing can harm you. But I was in the back seat, and I had to just go with what was on my phone, and what was on my phone was the Amplified. And it said, Behold, I've given you authority and power to trample upon scorpions and serpents and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses, and nothing shall in any way harm you. Look at that. I'd never seen that before. I have given you not only power to trample on snakes and scorpions, but physical and mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses. possesses. You know what that means? That you have the physical and mental strength and ability to resist the enemy. Because the Bible says that when we resist him, he'll do what? flee. The Bible says that when Jesus was being tempted by the enemy in the wilderness, he tempted him and Jesus resisted him with what? The word of God. If Jesus needed to use the word of God to defeat the enemy, how much more do you and I? But, but he resisted him. And, and the Bible says that the enemy left him until what? Until a more opportune time. So when we resist him, trust me, he'll be back when it's a more opportune time because he knows our weaknesses. But here's the good news. He has given you all the mental strength that you need to resist him. He's given you all the physical strength that you need to resist him. He says, behold, I've given you power and what? Authority. And what does the enemy want from us? He doesn't have any authority, only what? What we give him. I have power and authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. He's after my authority. He wants me to surrender it to him because he doesn't have it unless I give it to him. You see it? Don't you give him one bit of authority this week. Stay under cover. 
stay under the shadow of the Almighty, under his authority, under his lordship. Because there's a way that seems right to a man. But it's not always God's way. We just read a really good book by John Bevere called Good or God. And he talks about how sometimes the good, it seems good, but it's not God. Really good book. is a, is a fascinating book. And so uh, ask the Lord this week to make you aware of when the enemy's trying to entice you to come out from undercover and resist him. Activate your will and say of the Lord, even if you have to speak it out loud, I'm a firm believer that we speak things into the atmosphere. I, I speak it out loud. I speak his word out loud. You've got to speak it into the atmosphere. God spoke out loud. He didn't just think, oh, I think I'm going to, I think I want to create a universe. He spoke and it came into being. And if God speaks, how much more do you and I need to do that? So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are our fortress, that you are our stronghold, our place of protection, our place of safety, Lord God, our shelter from the destroyer the impenetrable fortress, Lord God, that keeps us safe. And so, Father, we just thank you that, that, that you want us to hide in you, that you want us to take refuge in you and in the truth of your word. And so, Father, I pray that this week the word of God would come alive to people, Lord, as they take refuge in it, Lord, I pray that, that a ready word, a rhema word would just arise within them, that they would be able to immediately apply to their circumstance, Lord God. And Lord, that they would begin to speak those words over their life and that they would activate their will to come into alignment with it, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you that you are not a man that you should lie, that your word is true. It's true. Now, Father, I pray that you bless my brothers and my sisters. Let this word be deposited richly within them and let it reap a harvest, Lord. In the years to come, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ.